together. But what we want to look at today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, amen. What we're going to be looking at, looking at today, amen, is what did Jesus teach about fellowship, amen? Let's begin, hallelujah, amen, in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5, amen. Here we're going to be talking about the greatness in the kingdom, hallelujah, greatness in the kingdom. Amen. 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest? Sounds like many of us today. Amen. Want to know who the goat is, who's the greatest. Amen. It says that who then is the greatest in the kingdom? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now let's break this down. We're talking about being the greatest in the kingdom. And what Jesus does, he brings a child in the midst of them to illustrate what he is trying to say. Amen. Now, first of all, let us understand Jesus wasn't saying, I'll deal with what he's not saying. He wasn't saying to us that we need to be like little children in a sense, amen, with no direction, amen, no understanding. Hallelujah. But what Jesus is talking about, amen, is having a, a humility, amen, having a humility, having something, amen, that will uh, allow you, amen, to be molded. Amen. To become the man or woman of God, the child of God. Amen. That the Lord has added. Amen. So it says the 12 came to him with this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Amen. What we need to understand, hallelujah, is that the first thing, amen, is that understand that in order for us to have this childlike mentality, it's going to take a conversion. Amen. It's, it's going to take a change in our hearts, a change in our minds, a change in our attitude, amen? Because see, what was happening here, what we were seeing in this question, amen, hallelujah, is that the disciples, amen, were not being childlike, like the disciples arguing over petty issues. Who's the greatest? Who, who, who's going to be number one? Who's going to be at my right? Who's going to be at your right hand? Amen. But Jesus wanted them to understand, amen, be childlike with humility and sincerity in their hearts. See, the disciples had become, you know, lack of a better term, preoccupied with the organization of the ministry. Okay? They, they, they got concerned about the organization of the ministry. Who's going to have what position? They, they had lost sight of his divine purpose. Instead of seeking a place of service, like so many even today, amen, they were seeking, amen, positions of advantage, positions of authority. Amen. Positions one over the other. But children, they're not like that. Children have a gentle, trusting, and uh, honest, amen, teachable nature. And Jesus' point was that a humble attitude of a child is what we must have to enter the kingdom of God. Amen? Mm-hmm. Understand, spiritual conversion is essential for obtaining this child-like humility. You can't do it by the will of your mind. Some people can pretend. We understand they, they can go through the motions and all those things. Amen. But, you know, Jesus deals with matters of the heart. 
amen. And so it's going to take, amen, a true, amen, spiritual conversion, amen, to obtain this childlike humility, amen. Along with this, Jesus was teaching, amen, and accepting, appreciating, respecting, honoring, amen, and helping those with whom he identifies. We also receive him. See, we, if we don't have that childlike mentality, amen, that humbleness in us, amen, we're too good to go over there and work with this individual. We're too good. Oh, I don't do that kind of stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the type of attitude that many would have. But amen, when you have that spiritual conversion, those that are no longer who you used to be, amen, you've had a BC experience, amen, a before Christ experience, hallelujah, now you got an AC, an after Christ experience. And that after Christ experience, amen, allows a humbleness by the spirit of the living God to be with you and to be in you and to guide your attitude and your actions and get to the point that you're, we are no longer like those disciples, amen, wondering, you know, who is the greatest. We are seeking a way of service, amen, instead of a way of advantage. Hallelujah. Jesus went on, amen, we're talking about, amen, fellowship in the kingdom, amen, and fellowship in the kingdom starts, amen, first with the community, the, excuse me, the group of folks that we uh, are around. Our community is the Vine Grove Church of God. Your community may be the church where you attend services if you're not part of our fellowship. It doesn't make a difference. The word of God is trying to stress to us that we need a humility, amen, within us to truly be the men and women of God. Amen. The Lord is calling us to be. Hallelujah. Matthew 25 and 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Amen. Again, uh, and Matthew is emphasizing what the Lord had said. Amen. Over in 18. Hallelujah. Teaching, amen, that we need to reach out to the least around us, amen, and when we do those things, hallelujah, it's just as if it's, we're reaching out and helping, assisting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Now, in you know, in your family, in your, in, in our community, in our, in our, in our fellowship, amen, hallelujah, every one of us as believers are the same in the eyes of God. We are the same. There is no big eyes and little U's, as we used to say, you know. And from time to time, we're going to get offended. I know, you know, that might sound strange to some folks, but Christians do offend other Christians. Amen. So let's look at Matthew 18, verses 6 through 14. And there, in the Word of God, it says, Whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. 
And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two to be cast into fire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Here we go again. For I say to you that in heaven there's angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Let me say that again. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. Amen. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Come on now. And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Come on. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of the little ones should perish. Amen? Now, let's put this in the context. First of all, let's clear it up. The Lord isn't saying pluck your eye out. He's not saying, amen, cut off a limb, or arm, or a leg, or whatever it may be. Hallelujah. God is not into self-mutilation. Amen? Offend and offenses mean anything set deliberately to be a stumbling block or to trap to cause someone else to sin. Okay? Now, think about this. Now, we're, we're talking about within the confines of the, the, the our community, the confines, amen, of our fellowship, the confines of the church, amen. And so we're talking about the word of God. We're talking about believers, amen. So in that context, offend and offenses mean anything set deliberately to be a stumbling block or trap mm -hmm, to cause someone else to sin. We must remove stumbling blocks. That's what call, that, that causes us to sin. Now, this means not, uh, not again, not to mean self-mutilation. It means that any person or program or teaching in the church that threatens the spiritual growth of the body must be removed. So we're talking, about, we're talking about spiritual things here. See, we, 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 we got to get out of the carnal mentality. The Lord was talking about spirituality, okay? He's talking about our walk before the Lord, amen? Again, offense and offenses mean anything set deliberately to be a stumbling block or trap to cause someone to sin. Hallelujah. We got to remove those things. It means that any person, program, or teaching in the church that threatens the spiritual growth of the body must be removed. Hello, somebody. Amen. We can, I'm sure as, as I was stating that, amen, that you already saw images in your mind, you already had thoughts going across your mind of the many things that are happening in places that carry the banner of the church of fill in the blank. And all kind of ungodliness, all kind of stumbling blocks, amen, are being presented as truth and acceptable in those places. But the word of God and Jesus was teaching here, amen, that anything that becomes a stumbling block, amen, anything, amen, that causes, amen, a program or a teaching, amen, that threatens the spiritual growth of the body must be 
removed. Didn't say could be removed, might be removed. Think about moving it. You know, consider it said must be removed. Obviously, we understand why. If you allow sin within the body to grow, it becomes acceptable, become compromised. Amen. And so we go from step A, well, it's not too much of a slide to slide over to step B. And then eventually step C and D. And next thing you know, you're so far away from where we were supposed to be in our teachings and our understanding and our wisdom. Amen. And our discernment concerning the things of God, then now we're just totally lost. Now you can't tell us from the world. The same thing that's happening, amen, in the world is happening in the church. And for a long time, we used to, you know, well, I'm going to say we. I know for a long time, my thought about that was, well, you know, the world comes into the church and until they get saved, amen, that's how it's going to be. That's right. But as I studied this lesson, something uh, opened up to me and understand. Obviously, the body of Christ is supposed to be different. We, we understand that. And so God is, the Lord here is talking about, amen, that once you, we become a body of believers, believers what? Believers in the word of God, the Bible, then our standard of attitude, actions, all that we do is within the confines of this world. Anything outside of that becomes a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. So for the individual, that means a hallelujah that any a relationship or practice or activity that leads to sin, uh-oh, should be stopped. But Brother Miller, what about, is it a stumbling block? Now you might, well, you know, I, I can handle it because I don't, okay, okay. Well, let's take me and you out of it. And what does the word of God say about it? We're going to get into that a little further into the lesson you know, more, more deeply. But what does the word of God say about it? Again, for the individual, any relationship, practice, activity, involvement that leads to sin should be stopped. Now, you would think, you would think that that's a no-brainer. You would think that, well, obviously, we're Christians. We don't do those things. Yeah, you would think it's obvious. You would think it's just that simple. But we as human beings do what? We like to justify our sin. <laughs> we like to justify our disobedience. Hallelujah. And if we, 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 we get asked enough times, we'll find the words, the phrases, the wherewithal to justify what we're doing that the word of God says we ought not be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, the world is going to offend you. Mm -hmm. Jesus warned that offenses from the unbelieving world are inevitable. Now, again, self-evident. Why? Because they don't believe what we believe. And so they're going to teach, they're going to sing, they're going to dance, they're going to uh, uh, do things, amen, that are obviously contrary to the word of God. And that should offend us in the sense that, my Lord, Father, how do I reach them? Because they, they, they are so lost in what they're saying and how they're living and what they're doing, you know, in reference to your word. So the Lord says, while offenses from the word are inevitable, we who believe must not place offenses in the path of other believers. Mm -hmm. You see the contrast here? See, the world has that going on. But in the household of faith, in the fellowship of the church, in the fellowship, the community of believers, amen, we who believe must not place offenses in the path of other believers. In other words, we shouldn't be causing our brothers and sisters to stumble. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? 
to value others as we should, which also means not con competing with them who are the greatest. We must see every person as one whom Christ came to save. Mm, mm, mm. Matthew 18 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Amen. So are you with me? Amen. We're talking about, amen, the community of believers. Amen. The community uh, within the kingdom and, and the church fellowship. Amen. How we get along with one another, how we treat one another. Amen. Hallelujah. Is the evidence of our kingdom fellowship. All right now. So we, we were just talking about greatness in the kingdom and contrary, con contrasting that with being um, humble. Having a, having a childlike humility, amen, is a man or woman of God. Mm -hmm. Every believer, value every believer, amen. Matthew 18, 6 through 14. Hallelujah. We must remove Stumbling blocks. Mm -hmm. Stumbling blocks that cause us to sin. Again, this does not mean self-mutilate. It means that any personal program or teaching in the church, again, that threatens the spiritual growth of the body must be removed. It means, amen, that the individual, we as individuals, amen, that our relationships, our practices, our activities that lead to sin should be stopped. Wrapping this portion up, amen. Again, the world is going to offend us. Jesus let us know that the world is going to offend us. But we who believe must not place offenses, amen, stumbling blocks before our fellow believers. Amen. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Somebody, somebody's been offended in the body. Somebody's been offended in the church. Uh-huh. So what do we do about it? We seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if you if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be, excuse me, established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, hear this now, let him be like you, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. <laughs> now, you know, when, when, when some read this, I can conjure in my mind what brings to thought of some would be a Jim Jones type thing, you know, the, or some type of coat where the leader, the leadership has all authority and what the leadership says, that's it, that's it. And 
and it leads to so many times it has led to death and destruction and wasn't lined up with the word of God. So I can see that mindset coming in. I can see that in the world that we live in today, amen, for people within the body, in the church, for them to come to the leadership of the church, amen, to come and say, I feel that such and such brother, such and such sister has said or done such a thing. I'm offended by this. It's caused uh, some trouble in my life and uh, I need some resolution. I can see many in the church having a problem with that. Mm -hmm. But let me give you some guidelines. Mm -hmm. Jesus' guidelines for dealing with uh, those who sin against us. Now we're talking about in the church. We're not talking about unbelievers. We're not talking about folks on your job and all those things. We're talking about people within your fellowship, amen, within the body of Christ, which in your community of believers, buying gold church of God for an example, amen. We're talking about this group, this fellowship, this community. So what are the guidelines that Jesus set aside? We read the text and we need to understand that first it's meant for Christians and not unbelievers. Because unbelievers are not going to submit to the word of the Lord. That's why they're unbelievers. Number two, sins committed against you and not others. You don't go, you don't tell and say, well, I uh, heard so-and-so say such and such a thing to so-and-so and that wasn't right. No, this is about sins committed against you and nobody else. Thirdly, conflict resolution in the context of the church and not the community at large. Again, we're talking about what happens within the body of believers, not what happens with your neighbor that's not part of the body, okay? Jesus spoke these words not to give license, amen, for an attack on every person who hurts you or offends you or slights you in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. They are designed to reconcile those who disagree so that all Christians can live, dwell in harmony. Amen. You see what to see is narrowing it down. The word of God, amen, is specific uh, in, in, in its um, reach, is specific, amen, and, and it's outlined, hallelujah. And right now, the Lord is outlining that these guidelines I'm giving you, this, this, this discipline I'm giving you, amen, it is about within the body of Christ. Why? Obviously, because if you're not a believer, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you have already decided by not being a believer that you will not adhere to what the Bible says. But those of us that have said, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Yes, I've been baptized in water. Yes, I've been baptized in the spirit. Amen. Yes, I'm submitting and committed. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And all those things, that's who this is speaking to. Mm -hmm. That's who the Lord is speaking to. And why? Amen. So that we can reconcile one to another. Amen. That we can live and dwell in harmony. Amen. Jesus tells the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Now, see, up to now, we're talking about, you know, within the body of Christ. Amen. How we could dwell together. Amen. In this community of believers and how we should resolve our differences, our conflicts. Amen. 
But Jesus gets in Matthew 18, 21 and 22, Jesus says, uh, we read this. It says, amen. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Uh Oh, there we go. Lord, there's a limit to my forgiveness. I'm only going to take so much. <laughs> up to seven times, Jesus said to him. I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, mature Christians understand that the Lord wasn't saying 497 times. No, because when you get 490 plus, then therefore I don't have to forgive you. No, that's not what the Lord is saying. What Jesus was simply trying to say is that we should not put any limit on how many times we forgive those who sincerely repent. Hear me now. Sincerely repent of their sins. Mm -hmm. By depending on the grace of Christ and yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can love and forgive others. Let me say that again. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, not to self, not to our own attitudes, not to what I believe, not how I look at it. This is my, you know, this is how I do things. Mm -mm. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can love and forgive others. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to do this? It's going to take us and the Holy Spirit together to partnership in order for this to happen. It's like I like to say uh, sometimes, amen, that we can get saved without the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That is, amen, you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit first and then you can say, that's impossible. But I am a firm believer that you cannot stay saved without the Holy Spirit. Because some things we just not gonna understand in our own minds, our own, our own wisdom, we, we, we just don't have enough. We, we, we just can't. We're going to be in confusion. When we should be standing still, our, our mind's going to tell us to run. When we should run, our mind's going to tell us to stand still. Amen? Or, 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 as my wife likes to say, I love her dearly, what my wife likes to say to me sometimes, says be be slow to speak. She says sometimes I get, I, I, I jump out there and get the, get the blabbing at the lips. You know? Be slow to speak and listen. So Matthew 18, 18 through 20 says this. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And remember, we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about within the, the body of believers. And whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything a man that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Oh, glory. How many times have we heard this? I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind this. And, and there's a context for that, but that's that's not the context, amen, in reference to binding the devil and, and, and those type of things. We, that's not the context that we're in right now. Hallelujah. Remember, we're talking about within the body of Christ. We're talking about within the body of believers. I mean, we're talking about in the church, ecclesia, the, 
those of us that are supposed to be called out. Amen. Jesus said that the church, what, has the power to bind and loose. Verse 18. What was he talking about? Where issues of right and wrong are concerned. Remember what, what this whole lesson is about. To bind something means it is not permissible. And to lose something means it is not. To lose something means it is permissible. Mm-hmm. So to bind means, amen, you're not supposed to be doing that. It's not permissible. And to lose something means that it is acceptable, not in my eyes, not in the pastor's eyes, not in the brother, sister, so-and-so eyes, but concerning the word of God. Hallelujah. The church has authority from Christ to exercise moral discipline in governing its members. And when I told you about that Jim Jones analogy, mm-hmm, permitting to its members what is consistent, hear me now, with the teachings and example of Christ and consistent with the word that is the Bible. Again, so again, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about this community of fellowship called the body of Christ. And in, in our case, our name would be the Vine Grove Church of God. And, and, and what this uh, lesson is talking about here, amen, is that the church has authority from Christ to exercise moral discipline in governing its members, permitting to its members what is consistent with the teachings and example of Christ and consistent with the word of God. And so, therefore, the church has the authority also from Christ to forbid to his members what is not consistent with Christ and the word. So, in other words, amen, hallelujah, when uh, somebody that has become part of the fellowship and they say that they are a, a Christian, amen, a brother and sister in Christ, the church has the authority in moral context to say to them, my brother, my sister, let me talk to you about such and such a thing. Amen. Because that is in contrary to the word of God. Mm -hmm. I can see the rumblings and the bumblings right now. Oh, I don't know about them. They're going to tell me what to do. Well, no. The church isn't telling you what to do in the sense that, you know, you, you, you can't do, your, uh, do what you think you're right. But the church has the authority. Amen to tell you according to the word of God. <laughs> I just had this thought. I can hear it now. Well, I don't believe it like that. Okay. Well, you, you, you are free to believe it in any way you want. That's between you and the Lord. But what we teach at the Vine Grove Church of God is this. Okay. So therefore, we love you enough that we want to uh, assure you, amen, that the road that you're on, the things that you're saying or doing are becoming a summoning block not only to yourself, but to those around you. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that this binding and loosing refer to the decisions of the church in conflicts amongst believers. There's no other court of appeals beyond the church. Now, of course, we got to get to the to the to the nitty gritty of this. All of this 
as predicated on first what? The church's decision should be guided and based on the You can't hear me no more? No. What about now? What I'm trying to get you to understand that what I'm trying to get huh? What I'm trying to get you to understand is that this binding and loosing refers to decisions of the church. Okay? Again, amongst believers. And again, all of this is predicated on first the church's decisions should be guided and based on discernment of God's word. Secondly, we as believers, as I was saying, have the responsibility to bring their problems to the church. And the church has the responsibility to use God's guidance in seeking to resolve these conflicts. Mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Mm. Don't let these things face you. Mm -hmm. This is 2 Timothy 3.16 again, but for the message. I like the way it's said. It says, but don't let these things face you. It says, stick with what you've learned and believed. Sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why? You look in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Amen. Jesus went on to say, if two of you are shall agree on earth as touching anything that they may ask. It shall be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. Hallelujah. So what? let me sum this up. What are we talking about here? Again, we're talking about within the body of believers. Again, we're talking about when there is conflict um, that um, comes within the body, amen, that the Lord has said we need to bring it to the church, amen, and allow the church leadership, amen, to help resolve that conflict. and But the church has a responsibility not to give you their opinion, but based on scripture, what should be done. Mm -hmm. And as believers, we should accept it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Amen. In other words, what did Jesus say? If two or three of you agree, if two or three agree on earth, touching anything that may be asked, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. This body of believers, offenses are going to come within the body from time to time. We're to resolve them, amen, through the word of God. And the way we do that, amen, is having not just that humbleness in spirit, but forgiveness in our hearts. Matthew 18, 23 through 27. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was about to pay, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he should be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, I have, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Hallelujah. Ooh, glory. So the king, instead of throwing the man and his family into prison, selling them into slavery or servitude, whatever, he had compassion on him released him, and then forgave him the debt. Sounds like salvation to me. Sounds like what the Lord did for me. Mm -hmm. That was a just king. That was an example of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That was an example of our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. But if we read on, Matthew 18, 28 through 35, we see the other side of the coin. We just talked about forgiveness. Now we're going to talk about unforgiveness. Matthew 18, 28 through 35, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and began and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, mm-mm, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, I've always said this. Let me stop right there. Not just in reference to Scripture, but even within our laws, we do this right here. Let's say, um, big example I can think of right off the top of my head is a, a, a man that owes child support. And the judge says, I'm going to throw you in prison because you haven't paid the child support. Okay, so you put him in prison. Well, how are you supposed to pay his debt if he's in prison not working? I, I, I never understood that. You know, so forever how long that individual is in prison, <laughs> if it be one month, two months, six months, whatever it is, that's more months that that child support has not been paid. 
more months where he has not had the opportunity to at least get a job or amen to get it right if he does have an employer and, and, and start paying the child support. So we read here, amen, about this individual that owed another individual and, and, and the individual says, oh, you can't pay? I'm going to throw you in prison. But what happens? It says, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. See, same individual. Mm-hmm. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Mm -hmm. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. I forgive you. The Lord looks on the inner, not the outer. So the Lord says here, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Hallelujah. We as the body of believers should be able and be willing to forgive one another. Amen. We should be uh, willing and able, amen, to understand that the things that come out of our mouth, the actions and things that we do can become stumbling blocks, amen, to others. And even more importantly, not just individuals, but the church itself, the leadership. Uh, we need to make sure that what we're teaching and preaching and saying is acceptable in the house of God lines up with the word of God. Hello, somebody. So I'll close with this. Extending mercy and forgiveness to, to others, amen, is the golden rule in, act, in action. The refusal to forgive others is an unpardonable sin in that God would not forgive us for being unforgiving, which we just read an example of, if we persist in being unforgiving. The only action on our part that can unlock God's forgiveness for us is to forgive others. I'll close with this scripture. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with Vine Grove Church of God this morning. I know we had some technical issues uh, at the beginning, but I pray that, amen, you were able to get from this lesson, amen, the community in the kingdom, amen, hallelujah. Church fellowship is kingdom fellowship.